Welcome to Who You Calling Crazy. This is a unique mental health podcast. We are erasing the stigma and elevating and normalizing dialogue around mental health. Of course, we'll be sharing practical therapy tips, but most importantly, we'll be diving into the stories and vulnerability of people you know or want to know. I'm your host, Juliette Kuhnley. So you just want to start by just introducing yourself and uh, who you are in the world, and we'll go from there. Sure. I'm Amber Benziger. I'm a licensed professional counselor in New Jersey. I have a private practice. I also have a membership service and a card deck for anxiety called the Anxiety Lab, um, where I work with women who are struggling with anxiety. I've also been starting to do some speaking engagements, and that's been really fun to just get out and meet other people. Working from home can be lonely. So it's nice to get out and do that and talk about mental health, mental health in the workplace. Um, So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. So where are you in New Jersey? I'm in uh, like South Jersey, Mount Laurel. Okay. Yep. Okay. My husband's a a Jersey guy, so (laughs) still have family there. (laughs) Um, So, you know, your big platform, I know you, you know, from social media. So the the good of social media is is connecting to other like-minded people who are, you know, committed to the same mission of ending the stigma. Um, So Amber versus anxiety. Um, so that, is that like your main clientele that you work with as well? Just anxious women, you said? Yeah, I would say that is probably my, my main area. Just kind of stumbled upon that because I am a woman who struggles with anxiety for most of my life. Um, so it just kind of was like, I'm going to help myself and help others. Um, it just was like a natural flow, I guess. I love the real answer there. Like so often when you talk to helpers about why do you do this? Well, we want to help other people. Like, yeah, of course we all want to help other people, but there's, there's the the truth of it is also a lot of like helping ourselves in it too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think we have to be honest about that. Uh, I feel like that's how a lot of us got led into this path, right? By our own personal stories or, you know, things that we were working through. So I think if I didn't say that, it would feel, it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel authentic. Agree. And I I think that's what makes certain like therapists and platforms more relatable is like, oh, yo, I'm human first and I'm going through this journey with all of you. Um, So, yeah, I definitely appreciate that. What can you share with us just about your your own relationship with your anxiety? Yeah, so I I was an anxious kid, but it was kind of dismissed. So I feel like I've been kind of figuring out what this was all along until I kind of got into my early 20s. Um, my anxiety would always come out in like this lashing type way. Laughing? Um, lashing out. Oh, like, oh lashing you know, would, out. Got it. Yeah, yeah, like I would just get like super frustrated and then like take it out on the people around me. Um, and I was like, well, that's not anxiety, right? That's not what we think it is. So... I couldn't really figure it out. And then I would have like these, like, you know, I would break down. And so finally in college, I had a really great therapist and he was like, I think that you're struggling with anxiety. Um, Mm. I started to have a panic attack. I started to have panic attacks. And that's where I was like, okay, so something isn't, isn't going my way. What's, what's going on and figuring out how I could cope with that and harness that and manage that. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I feel like it started. Yeah. I mean, it's such a great point where we have an idea often of like what something quote unquote should look like or most often looks like 
maybe even particularly with various diagnoses and like, well, mine doesn't manifest like that. So this can't be it. Uh, and so mm-hmm. that's a great example. I mean, I'm sure you've named some things for your clients too. I know I have where you're like, this feels like this. And then it kind of, it really resonates with that person, even though they don't maybe match like the typical presentation or whatever that means, right? Like that this is right. maybe what's going on for you. And that's, I like the permission in that though. And that, um, somebody cared enough to see you and really understand what's going on to be able to name, like, that's, that's what you're experiencing. Yeah, I think we had this idea, and I think with social media, there are the great things, but there are also, I think we get these buzzwords, and then people like lash on or lash onto that. <laughs> um, and then when something isn't fitting in that box that we said that this is it, um, then you feel like, okay, well, it must be me. No one else is experiencing, no one else is experiencing this. No one else understands this. Um, and I think that that can kind of be detrimental. So I think it's important to remember just because it looks like this for one person doesn't mean it's going to look like that for you and that doesn't take it away from you. Yeah. And that's the power of a good therapeutic relationship and a good therapist knowing like what questions to ask and to help you tease that out uh, too and to help you find that permission to name it for yourself. Yeah, it's powerful. Uh, Do you feel like, how do you feel like just, you know, being able to lay claim to your own anxiety um allows you to show up as a therapist how does it impact that I think I think it's good for me because I'm able to check in with myself I also think it's I'm able to relate to my clients um in a way that maybe if you weren't struggling with that you you know I feel like I can empathize with them not that anybody can empathize with somebody else but I just feel like okay I've been there it makes sense I can I can see it Mm -hmm. um so I feel like that has kind of been helpful in this journey of, you know, working with my clients. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I, it takes one to know one. Um, I have also struggled with anxiety my whole life. Um, and I often find, you know, when, you know, with appropriate self-disclosure, of course, that clients actually appreciate knowing that too. Um, Mm -hmm. more often than not, they're like, yeah, so you get it. So, or if I say like, do you, you know, feel tightness in your chest? And they're like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that there's like, again, just like another layer of permission when you feel like somebody gets it. Yeah. I also think it makes, it humanizes therapists. I think sometimes we get put on this pedestal by our clients or the people around us. And it's nice to be like, oh yeah, I have done that too. I have, you know, yelled at somebody when I could never felt this, you know, like, like you said, tightness in my chest. Or, mm-hmm. So it's nice to be like, yeah, I get that and and really have experienced it. I think it brings that whole nother level to that person and has helped with that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew that's why I'm like drawn to your authenticity too, where, uh, you know, there is this new phenomenon, especially with the rise of therapists on social media, where we are kind of expected to be a certain way or like even even put on a pedestal in some cases and just really not humanized. Um, and so I appreciate those platforms where, you know, people are very open and clear about, oh, no, 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 like I'm human first. And then there's all this other stuff that maybe I learned in school and through my experience. Um, but don't, do you think that social media has shifted some of that maybe uh, view of therapists from, you know, the outside world? Yeah, I think it's been helpful in that way of 
seeing people as people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think, and also just seeing how therapists interact. I think for people who haven't experienced therapy or didn't know what it's like, you can, oh, okay, like this person is just like me. I think that can kind of break down barriers and break down walls. I also think it just uh, allows people to feel more comfortable and it to be more of a relatable place. And I also think it's great for therapists, right? That we don't always have to show up in this way in this cardigan wearing like box or whatever. Um, not that I don't love a good cardigan. But <laughs> I think it it helps with both, uh, so that, you know, therapists are more humanized, but also I think maybe therapists aren't taking themselves as serious. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. What is your kind of intention with your platform on social media and and with the Amber versus anxiety. Yeah. So when I first started, it was like, Oh, I'm starting private practice. Let me um, (laughs) market my practice. Um, And then it just felt boring and like everybody else. Um, So then because like my Instagram handle was just my practice name. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was like, well, what do I really care about? Like, why am I here? Why am I showing up? I wanted to be more intentional. Um, so I started to talk about like my own journey with anxiety it was also like in the height of the pandemic where I was like, none of my anxiety tools are working for me because I don't have, um, I'm not able to do them and I'm not able to, right. uh, get, right. leave my house. Right. So, um, I kind it kind of started there and I was like, okay, well, how can we connect? We kind of have this community and this like-minded and have a place to share and feel validated, um, feel like somebody else understands. And how can I teach the things that I really care about and that have really helped for me? Um, and I felt like it just all happened through that account. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What, so is it same with the anxiety lab? Tell us more about that. Yeah, so again, I started that in in the pandemic because it felt very lonely. I felt like my coping strategies weren't working because I didn't have access to them the way that I wanted to. Um, so, and I started to, I'm having the same conversations over and over again with every client that was showing up on telehealth. Because we were all experiencing something different, but something similar. Um, so the conversations became, came um there was this common theme so I felt like I'm not just experiencing this other people are experiencing this so how can I bring a place where women can come together um and talk about that and talk about how they're feeling and feel validated and also learn um and in a sense of community so that's kind of how that came together yeah it's beautiful what do you find yourself saying all the time like when you're teaching people about anxiety like how give me kind of some of the nuggets on like your go-to psychoeducation around here's what anxiety is. Um, yeah. Just like what, what, what is it kind of your recurring spiel? Yeah. I think I'm always saying like everybody is, has anxiety, right? Cause that's like a natural thing. Like we're all, we're going to be anxious. Um, but if, if you feel like anxiety is constantly taking over, if it's showing up and interfering in the way that you are interacting in your everyday life or, keeping you from doing things that you want to do, then that's something to take a look at. Like, is that generalized anxiety? Am I managing it? What can I do? And I'm always asking my clients and the people I work with to get really curious about like what's coming up, right? A lot of times when we're anxious, we are trying to 
to either like avoid or control um, instead of kind of asking ourselves like what's coming up for me what am I fearful of why like what is causing this um, and then we can kind of separate ourselves because again anxiety can be that buzzword mm-hmm. so a lot of people mm-hmm. um, and even myself on social media can like make humor out of it but I think a lot of times we label ourselves as like well I'm just an anxious person so I'm right. never gonna not be that anxious person instead of I'm experiencing anxiety so how can we separate that of like I'm feeling this way I'm experiencing this but I'm still this human whole person over here that's just experiencing something so how can I manage that experience for myself yeah I remember that like aha moment for myself years ago of like oh my god I have over identified with this for Mm -hmm. so long I'm anxious I'm anxious I'm anxious like and just how powerful even that like self-talk and over-identification is versus getting some distance and observation with it. So, I mean, I know that the power of really, really embodying that difference. Yeah. And just building up that trust again with yourself and that ability to forgive. Cause a lot of times, you know, anxiety can strip us of that, of, you know, uh, being okay with our own choices and, and how we're showing up and if we're being intentional um, because a lot of things are being made within fear. So learning how to trust ourselves again. Learning how to trust ourselves again. Yeah. Particularly, you know, uncertainty being like the foundation of anxiety, like that the self doubt that becomes so pervasive if you've, if you've struggled with anxiety over time. Um, Self-trust, man. It's like, it sounds so simple, but damn, it's hard. It is. I mean, with anxiety, and I think just like a natural thing is to be like, oh, well, did I make the right decision? You know, are we looking for validation from our partner or friend or parent or whoever? Because it's like, I don't want to mess up. Like we have this fear of like not getting it right or not being enough. So there's a lot around like, did I make that right choice? And that can be really difficult to even notice because it becomes part of the everyday right um are you or did you not notice that we're constantly asking our partner to say like no that was great or you know mm-hmm. um I, I notice it a lot especially in my kids and I try to be intentional of like well do you think that was good like you know they'll come to me after a sport or something like that and I want to I want them to be able to say like I was great or I want to work on this um so that they start to build that confidence and that trust within themselves. And it's, it's like such a natural thing, I feel like, or a societal thing that we don't realize how detrimental it could become. Yeah. Yeah. That reassurance seeking. Um, I mean, I'm doing the same, trying to be a cycle breaker with some of that too. Like you are, it sounds like, like with our own children of, um, and I also think like, I mean, we know like anxiety loves things to be black and white, (laughs) It, you know, yeah. and, and just that's P.S. just not the way that most things work. And so we get so fixated on that. Is this the right choice? Right, wrong, good, bad. And it's just not that binary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so learning how to tolerate the ambiguity and the gray is such an important part of shifting your relationship with anxiety. Yeah. What about what do you find yourself again, like saying all the time about coping and coping skills and coping strategies so I I always get a little concerned because I think like sometimes people are trying to especially in therapy people like want to get an A in therapy 
Mm -hmm. So when there is no like grading, so I'm always like, you have to figure out what works for you. If we sit and we're like, you know, it's build your own toolkit. Like I can give you these ideas, but if I'm like, you should meditate and like meditating just isn't working for you. Don't then don't be upset when saying like, oh my gosh, I failed or now I can't meditate. So I can't cope. It's really about what finding out what works for you and what you're actually going to do in those moments. Right. Because we can say a lot of things, but realistically, what are you going to do? What are you, what are you going to gravitate for? Um, what feels most comfortable? So I always say starting there um, mm -hmm. and, and building off of that. So if, you know, grounding techniques and, and meditation and, and movement, is that something that you actually enjoy and you like? Then, okay, let's take a look at those and what can you do in those heightened moments? Um, but if that's not it, is it like, okay, I'm always reaching for my phone. So is there uh, a certain app that you can use? Is there your journaling app? Is there, um, here's a photo album of pictures I'm going to look at that I like from a vacation or my kids playing sports. That kind of brings me out of that state to a better, like to a time where I felt different or better. Um, so really just working with you to figure out like what works for you. I think that's so important and make sure that you have a couple of things because, you know, certain coping strategies work in certain moments some things you're not able to get to in the moment. I know there's one, I had one person that was like, well, I was told like I should use like ice cubes and, and, you know, put my face in water. How'd that work? I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> you can't just like run out of the meeting and go dunk your head in the bucket of water. Does anyone have any ice? <laughs> anyone have any ice? <laughs> <laughs> right. So just being really realistic I with know. ourselves and reminding ourselves that like, Sometimes it might work, sometimes it might not. So then we'll go back to the board and figure out what will. I always tell my clients to, because we always have our phone most of the time, um, mm -hmm. start a list in your phone of like, look at look at this photo album. Um, you know, here don't forget to do like the muscle relaxing or like um, you know squeezing your fist, clenching your fist and releasing like that helps me because when you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling anxious, you forget. So if you know, like, oh, I have it written down or that worked for me last time or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. It's nice to just have that to fall back on. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's like meeting people where they are um, mm -hmm. and, and, and again, like allowing them to know it's okay if this is not realistic for you. Uh, because you're right. Like, I, and we do, I joke about that with clients all the time. Like there, you're not going to get an A. It's not about that. Like you, um, don't just sit here and say like, yeah, okay, Juliet, I'm going to try that. Like we both know you're not, <laughs> and then you're right? not going to yeah. get anything. You're not going to get anything out of this. So like, let's figure out what yeah. actually works for you. Um, because I, I get that asset out. Like what's the, you know, the number one coping skill. And of course it's not one size fits all. Um, but, and if I have to like, if I had to teach one thing, you know, and I'm trying to teach about the breath or like these things that maybe are, more accessible to us than other things, no matter what setting we're in or whatever. Um, but I do think, again, going back to like the social media piece, that it can make it sound very like easy. Um, mm -hmm. Just, yeah, just just have this coping skill. Just try it. Why can't you breathe? Like it, And so that is one thing where it's like, there's sometimes not the nuance of understanding like how individualized uh, things actually really need to be. And that's what you get by going into therapy. <laughs> A hundred percent. I feel like a coping skill that I often see, and I probably posted it myself, you know, the five, four, three, two, one, you yep. know, five things you can see. 
I have a lot of clients that are like, I can't remember what was the five, what was the four? And then I just like lost it. And I'm like, yeah, so that, that doesn't work for you. And for some people that's been so great and so helpful. Um, and I, 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 I always use that as an example because I feel like it's the one that you see often. But yeah. So when you feel like, well, it doesn't work for me, but I'm constantly seeing that this is it. Yeah. Now, what do I do? Like, I'm just, I'm doomed. So yeah, now I've failed at coping. Remembering. Right. <laughs> just remembering that, like, just because it's posted or just because it says something. And sometimes people post in such absolutes, like, you have the, you have this symptom, it must be this. And it's just like, those are the ones that I just want to, like, write a not nice comment. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. It's, it's stressful <laughs> and it's harmful. It is. So, like you don't have yeah. somebody's context context somebody's history somebody oh again all the nuances um you know but it's the blessing and the curse it's definitely made a lot more mental wellness stuff accessible uh but yeah if there's any takeaway from this conversation for listeners is taking all the grain of salt and if there's something that resonates with you take it to your therapist and explore it with your therapist and and figure out like how that could look for you what it might mean for you and your story if anything um, you know, every, everybody is not just all of a sudden a narcissist because you read it on Instagram, you know, like, is that, is it true? Like maybe something's resonating cause there's something going on, but, um, but that's where I think that therapeutic relationship is so valuable and you can help tease it out. Yeah. Yeah. What is your, uh, you know, speaking of buzzwords, you know, self-care is a big buzzword. So just talk to us about, especially being a therapist with anxiety and probably being burned out like most of us therapists are over these last few years. <laughs> what are your boundaries and your own self-care? What does that look like? Yeah, so I started my private practice like the, in 2019, so right before the pandemic. Um, and I kind of was just new to having my own practice. So I was like, I'm just going to see people whenever. Um, and that was no. Yeah, <laughs> so yep, that idea. been intentional about my hours, the hours that I work, how many clients I see um, in a day, how many clients I see in a week, um, what's realistic and, and how I'm feeling and how uh, what my capacity is. I need to be honest with that. Um, I try to, uh, you know, keep like a certain amount of time for myself every week where I'm just like, either I'll go to a coffee shop or, you know, I'll I'll try something that maybe isn't the norm for myself or just time for myself. Cause I think that's really important. Um, and I try to be as focused on like family when it's family time. So, you know, I don't want to be on my phone, you know, or emailing somebody back if I'm at my kid's soccer practice or something like that. So just really being intentional about how I utilize my time um, has been helpful. And then I like to, like go on a trip if I can, or even if it's just like a weekend or visit my best friend who lives in a different state. Um, so I'll put that on the calendar. So it's something nice to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So a lot of that's just like that mindfulness again, these are all buzzwords, but there's a reason they're buzzwords. You know, we can't let them <laughs> be watered down, but that, yeah, just right. being, being in the moment you're in. So it's family time or it's work time. And, right. and again, for people to know, like, Cause you know, I talk with supervisees a lot about that. Like wh how many clients a day feels good, whatever, you know, but knowing that mm -hmm. even that can shift and how we always have to be like checking in, checking in with ourselves. Yeah. So maybe like six clients a day felt good in this one season of life. And now I'm feeling a different way about it. Like in private practice, you know, the beauty is having the flexibility to, 
to work yeah. with that. But, but have again, having to check in and knowing like you can create the rules for yourself for the, for the most part. Yeah, no, it's, it's been nice. And it's been nice to uh, set my own boundaries and, and stick with them and be like, wow, great job. Like you did that. Like you set that boundary. That was hard. Um, but here you are and it's, and it's paid off. So that's nice. Oh, amazing. So just kind of last, um, what do you want to say to listeners about like stigma, um, whether it's connected to anxiety in particular or just mental health, mental wellness in general? Just what do you want people to know about about stigma and tending to their mental health? Yeah, I think it's just reminding yourself that, you know, those things, anxiety, that's what you're experiencing. That's not all that you are. It's not, you know, you have so much more to offer um, and it doesn't have to stand in the way of you accomplishing things or moving forward in a, in a way that you want to. I think we can kind of uh, make ourselves small um, or feel like, okay, well, because of this, I, I'm not going to be able to, you know, overcome this barrier, but that's to be the case. So reminding yourself that you are who you are for a reason and, you know, you have so much to offer outside of just something that you're experiencing. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your good work. And uh, I appreciate this conversation with you today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm fun. So who are you calling crazy? I think you mean human. We are removing the stigma, y'all. Say it loud and proud. Yep. I go to therapy. 